Today's episode is brought to you by The Ringer MLB Show. Every Monday, The Ringer's Ben Lindbergh and Michael Bauman break down baseball's biggest and silliest stories, mixing it in with interviews with other Ringer writers, plugged-in media members, and insiders from the front office to the dugout. You can you can subscribe to The Ringer MLB Show on iTunes by going to itunes.com backslash The Ringer, finding it wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Ringer NBA Show Friday edition, and our guest today is Tim Bontemps from the Washington Post. He is a national NBA writer. Timmy! What up, Bruno? Hey, man. Well, we got a trade, a big trade, right? I don't know if the at least one of the names is big, and that is Kyle Korver going <laughs> to the prohibitive favorite uh, in the Eastern Conference, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Give me your thoughts on Korver going to the Cavs and how much it moves the needle. Well, I mean, I wrote about it last night after, you know, it's, it's, you know, the trade still isn't even finalized as we're talking now, but it's just, they've just kind of, kind of sort a few things out before it's finished because it's a pretty complicated deal. But um, I think it's a, I think it's a, a significant trade for a few reasons. I think if you watch that Christmas day game, uh, yes, Cleveland won the game, but Golden State dominated most of that game. And from a neutral perspective, it was pretty clear that, you know, sitting there watching the game in the, in the arena, that, that the Cavs were a player too short. Um, they only played eight guys in that game. One of those guys was DeAndre Liggins, who is just a complete non-factor on offense. Um, so they, they needed to get another guy or two deeper in their rotation, which they were pretty open about, the fact that they were going to try to do that over the next six weeks before the trade deadline. Um, and getting Kyle Korver, even at 35, um, you know, he's still, you know, probably – if not the best catch and shoot three point shooter in the league, he's certainly one of the best. Um, so getting another guy like that to put around LeBron James um, and just really up drastically upgrade on you know their attempt to, to to fill out that rotation with Mike Dunleavy, who they shipped out, while also saving a little money, um, was a pretty big move for them. But in the in the bigger scheme, you know while while you know there is this kind of like Warriors Cavs back and forth, I think. The bigger thing for the league is that, you know, the Hawks are, are open for business now, which makes it much more likely that they're actually going to pull the trigger on a Paul Millsap trade now when they, they kind of eased off of, you know, they, they, they could have made one this summer and decided not to. Um, now, that, now that a guy like Paul Millsap is on the market, he is very likely to be the best player that's going to be available between now and, and the trade deadline next month. So, you know, seeing a guy like that change teams to somebody like Toronto, say, or um, you know, that that could that could make the Eastern Conference Finals a little more competitive. Um, and it also means that for a lot of these teams, like your Knicks uh, and the the Pistons and the Wizards, that are all trying to get into the playoffs in the East, you know, Atlanta, which right now sits in fourth, probably isn't going to make the playoffs. So, I, I think it's a pretty a pretty significant trade for a lot of different reasons, and it will be interesting to see kind of how all of it shakes out over the next few weeks here. Well, if they don't trade Millsap, they'll make the playoffs. I mean, it's not like losing Kyle Korver is going to stop them from making the playoffs. No, right. What I'm saying is, what I'm when I say that, I mean, I think they're going to trade Davos Epelosha. I think they're going to trade Millsap. They're, they pretty clearly have shifted to 
we're not good enough to really do anything this year. Let's get some assets for these guys who are going to walk for free and for agency. Paul Millsap is not re-signing with Atlanta, um, as far as anybody can tell. So I, I don't. I think they're they're in a situation now where they they'd like to get something for him instead of like what happened with Al Horford last summer, have him walk away for a gigantic contract this summer and get nothing in return. It's interesting because somebody's going to max out Millsap, and given his age, would you? I mean, it's it's a it's a it's it's quite the quandary, right? If you're Atlanta, he's. Clearly- I think it depends on. I think it depends on the situation that your team is in. Honestly, I, I know it's probably kind of a cop out, but um, like Denver has been rumored as a target for him. I don't understand that at all. Um, he's a fantastic player, but everybody on their team is that's good. I mean, they have Danilo Gallinari and Wilson Chandler who are going to be free agents. Everybody else is like 22 years old. So I don't know why you would sign or why you trade significant assets for a 32 year old guy and then sign him for four or five years at, you know, and give him a $200 million contract. I mean, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, if you're Toronto though, and you're close and you have, you've never really been good before the last couple of years, you have Kyle Lowry, you have DeMar DeRozan, your team is kind of built to win right now. And this is your window. Then yeah, if I, if I could trade a bunch of, if I could trade some stuff and get, Paul Millsap would dramatically improve, you know, the one week spot on my team and then keep him in free agency. I mean, I, I could, I could see that. Um, but I, I do think that it, it would have to depend on the situation he's going to um, for, for me to justify it. Because like you said, at, at his age, um, it, even though he doesn't have as much wear and tear on him as a normal 32 year old guy, he played about, I think he played four years in college. He did, he was a bench player earlier in his career. Um, it's hard for me to to see that contract really looking good when you get the the last two or three years of it at this point. Let's say the deal goes down as reported, which is like Mo Williams, Dunleavy, protected pick. Did Atlanta get good enough return for Corver? I think so. I mean, I, I don't really know what they were supposed to do. I mean, people were freaking out. I mean, Kyle Corver's kind of a name, like you said, right? Mm-hmm. So um, people see that Kyle Corver's going to the cast and, oh my God, how could Atlanta only get a protected first round pick for him? But, I mean, Kyle Corver's 35. He is coming off the bench for the Hawks. I don't really know what else they were supposed to get. He's an expiring contract on top of that. Um, so, I mean, if Atlanta gets a, a late first-round pick for a 35-year-old expiring contract, I, I mean, I think that's a good trade, especially when, you know, it's not like there there was a, a gigantic market for his services, I don't think, at this point. So, um, yeah, I think, I think they did. Uh, I think assuming the trade comes off as we – as we've heard about, I think they did fine. And who knows? Maybe they can get a, maybe they can wheel Dunleavy off somewhere else for another second round pick and and increase their haul a little bit. Is it an indictment of their off season? You know, Teague going to Indiana and then signing Dwight. Yeah, I don't really think so. There was some there was some people saying that last night on on social media, and I just didn't really get that. I mean, look they they were always going to choose between Dennis Schroeder and Jeff Teague, and they chose the significantly younger guy who was always kind of the guy who was liked more by the coaching staff in the front office from what I can tell. So that, I mean, I think that's fine. And look, they signed a player who was a comparable skill level to Al Horford and Dwight Howard. Dwight even might be a little better player than Al at this point. And they signed him for significantly less dollars per year and in, in one year less on his contract. So, I mean, I thought that I thought that swap was fine, and 
I think if you get through halfway through the season and you look at your team and you go, we are nowhere near as good as Cleveland. We're not really anywhere near as good as even Toronto. Um, yeah, we can make the playoffs. We can maybe win a series, but if we're going to lose all these guys for nothing in free agency, why don't we just move these guys now, get some assets for them. And then this summer, maybe we can be a team that could be a player in free agency. Um, I, I don't think that's a bad, I don't really think that was a bad plan on their part. And frankly, if they won, I think they could probably turn around and trade Dwight too, if they wanted to. Um, so far there hasn't been much talk about that, but Dwight's only got, I think he's got two more years after this one. One of them might be an option year, but he's only got two more years either way. And at 22, $23 million a year, um, you look around the league at some of the contracts that were handed out this summer and having Dwight Howard on that deal is vastly superior to having, you know, Timothy Mozgov at 16 a year or Bismarck Biombo at 18 a year, or certainly Joe Noah at 18 a year. Um, so I, I think that, I think that Atlanta signing him was perfectly reasonable and I thought their summer was fine. And I, I think looking around and deciding you're better off, you know, going in another direction instead of just kind of, you know, blindfully going down a hole and finishing fifth or sixth and, you know, winning a couple of playoff games and getting some playoff revenue and going home. I think this is a, a much smarter long-term plan for them. We've had a thought for a long time that uh, th- there's an expectation that Danny Ainge has been doing everything he is doing over the last several years to be loaded up to make an- another deal. Think we could see a Millsap-Horford reunion in Boston? I mean, look, anything is possible. They certainly have the pieces to go get a guy like Millsap, but the Celtics have also kind of famously gotten, you know, gotten through the trade deadline every year, not traded for somebody. And then Danny had just gone on the radio or on an interview and said, um, oh, we were so close to making a huge trade at the deadline. So I don't know. I mean, my guess is they probably, they, I'm sure they'll be interested in Millsap. Um, I don't know what they're willing to give up to get them. Um, and I, I mean, to me, I think I, I would say Toronto is probably more motivated to make that kind of a trade. Boston still has these Nets picks. They're going to, they should have another top five pick this year in what seems to be a loaded draft. Um, you know, so that should, that could maybe get them the star they need uh, at least long-term. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I certainly think it's possible he ends up in Boston I would say Toronto's a more likely destination just given their – I think they would probably have a greater desire to give up more to get them. But, you know, at, who knows? At, at some point, maybe maybe this is the time Boston decides to push their chips into the table and, and get somebody like that. But I, I would think they would probably prefer to wait for a bit a bit younger guy and a longer-term deal before they're going to give up any of their real you know, significant assets to go get a guy. Which becomes more dangerous to the Cavs if they attain him? Um, that's a good question. I think Toronto, I think Toronto's just a, a, a significantly better team um, than, than the Boston is at this point. Um, I, I, they've played together longer. They're, they're deeper. I think um, Kyle Lowry has been incredible this year for as good as Isaiah Thomas has been. Kyle Lowry has been better. Um, DeMar DeRozan has had a fantastic year. They're, they, you know, Valanciunas is a solid center. Um you know, they've got some wings. Patrick Patterson is a good power forward, but they need a they need to upgrade there. And if they could if they could go from starting, you know, Pascal Siakam to starting Paul Millsap, that'd be a pretty gigantic change uh in Toronto. So um I, I think I think Toronto would be better, you know, would be more dangerous if they got him, but 
Um, but Boston would also be pretty good. I mean, having, you know, Paul Millsap and Al Horford, you can do a lot of stuff defensively. They can both shoot. Um, so it's a good question, but I, I think, I think Toronto is the better team. And I think if they got Paul, they'd be, they'd be, they'd still be more dangerous to, uh, to Cleveland going forward. Let me ask you about a couple of things you've recently written about. One of which was you saw Lillard and McCollum playing, uh, and or wrote about them and this whole idea of, all right, um, they're both outstanding players, great guards. Is it right to be building around them? Like, is it long-term do you do you rock with Lillard and McCollum? What say you? I, I'm not sure. I, I think you can win with a with a backcourt like that in theory. Um, but I also look at what Portland did this summer and what their team looks like now, and I don't really see the path forward for them to being a contender. Um, you know, they spent you know they spent seventy five million dollars on Alan Crabb. They spent seventy two million dollars on Evan Turner. They spent forty one million dollars on Myers Leonard. Um, all of those guys are bench players. So, I mean, if you, you I mean, they spent $200 million in present and future money on bench players, and none of them are elite defenders. And if you have Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, you need elite defenders around them. And they didn't do that. So, I just feel like their team is kind of stuck. Um, they're not bad. They're going to be wildly entertaining. Uh, they should wind up getting the eight seed this year, maybe if. Oklahoma city really falls off and has some injuries. Maybe they can get to the seven seed. Um, same with Memphis. So, you know, those teams right in front of them. If one of them really falls off, they can maybe catch them if things go right, but they're probably going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to be the eighth seed. They're, they're going to get routed by the warriors. Um, and I just don't long-term, I just don't see the upside for them. And I, I think the one way for that to potentially happen would be to maybe trade one of those guys and, and kind of balance out the roster better. The problem is, look around and try to figure out the trade that makes sense. You know, everyone can say that they'd love to trade for DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins isn't on the market. He's going to sign a five-year extension in, in Sacramento almost certainly this summer. Um, so, you know, that's not going to work. And if you look around, it's hard to find another big guy somewhere that that really would go, hey, that would make a ton of sense for them to go get that guy, and he's attainable in some way. Um, so they're just in a tough spot, and I think I think that, you know, they're going to, like I said, they're going to be a very fun team to watch, but it's hard for me to, to look at them right now with the roster they have, with all the guys they have. I think they have 11 guys signed for next year, already committed to paying $130 million, which would be in the luxury tax. That's before they re-sign Mason Plumley, who's going to get probably another 15 to $20 million a year on top of all those other guys. So if you're talking paying a ton of luxury tax money for that team, um, it, it, it will be fascinating to see where that team goes going forward because, like I said, I just don't right now see the path to contention for them for what they've got. You think McCollum makes an all-star team? Not this year, but I'm saying when we look up, if I fast forward five years, has C.J. McCollum made an all-star team? What do you think? I had that exact same – I had that exact same contract uh, – our contract. I had that exact <laughs> same conversation – with uh, with a couple people after the game Wednesday, um, and I, I'm not sure. I, I I feel like he like he definitely could make one, but at the same time, like could he fall into the Mike Conley camp where he's you know a really good player that never makes an All Star team and is considered for a couple and doesn't make it? Yeah, I mean I think that's probably the most likely one, um, but. 
you know, he also could get traded somewhere and average 27 a game, too. I mean, you know, I, I didn't think Isaiah Thomas, you know, necessarily would have made the All-Star team last year. Uh, I certainly didn't expect him to, to go to averaging 27 points a game this year. So it's kind of hard to tell. But if I had to say now, I, I would say probably not. It is crazy, right? Because McCollum kind of, I think he kind of falls in that Clay Thompson conversation, which is, would he be the best guy or could he be the best guy on a on a on a really good team theoretically and really blow up i mean w- listen once upon a time and i'm not saying that the the neither of these guys are going to be like harden but that was the conversation years ago right that if you yeah as he's the guy in oklahoma city what would happen if he was the man well we found out they made him the man and the guy's like the, you know one of the best players in the league um i don't know if right. if that if we'd ever look up and clay or or McCollum is like that, but it it would be a fascinating case study if we put them on another team. You know, are they are are they worse or are they better? Right? Are they are they better for the situations that they're playing in? Oh, I they... mean, they would definitely put up more numbers. Yeah. Those guys, I right. think you're 100 percent right, Bruno, and that those guys would definitely put up more numbers. Um, yeah. You know, McCollum McCollum the other night with Lillard out playing the Warriors for 35, right, and was really good. Like yeah. in the first half, he had 26. It couldn't really stop him. Second half, he missed. He he only scored nine points. He missed some shots, but a lot of it was just him missing some shots he made in the first half. I mean, he he would put up real numbers. And if you got, if you got Clay Thompson, an extra five six shots a game, he'd be averaging twenty seven points a game too. Like, I mean, those those guys are those guys are lethal scores. Yeah. Um. But but you know, I, the the better question is, you know, would they be um would they be doing what Harden could they do what the same thing Harden did in Houston? I mean. That that's always a trickier question, but um, there's no question that both those guys are big time talents. And if they if they were ever on their own team or given their own team, um, they would uh, they would be able to put up some some really big numbers. You've had this crazy deal where you've been on the East Coast for so long, in between uh, New York and then, and then obviously what now you've taken this job with the Post a couple of years ago, and you've moved out to California for this year to watch the Warriors. All year long, of those guys on that team—Durant, Curry, Draymond, Clay—who who do you, who do you think your opinion has changed the most of? Like seeing them nightly, you always—they're obviously a very popular team. You see them from afar, but like when you're in the arena, you're in the locker room, you see them all the time against all manner of teams. You see them against the good teams, you see them against the bad teams. Who's your opinion changed the most of? I mean, it's kind of hard for me to have an answer on that just because I, I was around them a lot last year yeah, already. Right. Um, and I've been around, I've been around them a lot in the past. So I, I mean, I kind of had a pretty good impression of all those guys um, before, but what I would say about this year is that um, Durant has been utterly spectacular. And I think it's kind of been, uh, I think it's kind of been overlooked both because of, the number of stars they have on this team and uh, the fact that he, you know, moved to, uh, you know, moved to Oklahoma city or moved from Oklahoma city to the Bay area, left, left uh, Westbrook behind all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would say, I mean, you look at, if you watch him on a nightly basis, you see the stuff he's doing on defense. Um, he's been fantastic at the rim for them. Um, he's been unbelievably efficient. The other night he had 30 on, I want to say 16 shots. Um, and that's kind of been a, a nightly thing where he's getting, you know, basically double his shots and points a lot of nights. Um, so 
I wouldn't say my opinion is, has really changed of anybody, but I, I would say that I think Durant has been even better um, than people might realize if they hadn't been really closely watching them a lot. That segues perfectly into what I wanted to ask you about. You you did this article about the MVP and Russell Westbrook's quest. Um, if he were to be able to win the MVP, that he'd have to, you know, it's framed even in your headline that he would have to surpass Harden, that Harden would be the prohibitive favorite right. as of now. I mean, it's crazy, right? We're this far into the season. And, like, I think if you went around and pulled most people, they tell you the best player in the league is LeBron James. They might say the second best player in the league is Kevin Durant. Um, and, of course, the guy that's won the two la- uh, the last two MVPs, he's not even in the conversation at all. Right. Um, so just tell right. you, you do you do this article, you try to talk to a bunch of people and compile thoughts on uh, the MVP race and these spectacular statist- statistical seasons these guys are having, and what'd you find? Yeah, it was, a, it was a fun story to do. I mean, obviously, you know, it was a good time to write it, given that Russ and, Russ and James went head-to-head last night in a, an awesome game in Houston. Um, you know, it was really fun to just watch them go back and forth. Russ ended up with 49 points. Uh, I think James had 26 and 12 assists. Um, both were fantastic. Um, you know, the, the, the Rockets wind up winning the game you know, on a last second uh, hardened pass to Nene at the rim where he got fouled, um, you know, after Westbrook had gotten isolated on uh, on James, the prior possession and chucked up a pull-up three-pointer, which kind of, you know, in a nutshell, really kind of uh, was emblematic of the way those two guys have approached this season. And, you know, the fact that, that Harden got the, the edge last night and won the game was kind of uh, – was kind of symbolic because you know although i think to your point i think in the general public a lot of people would just assume that westbrook is going to be a shoe-in for for uh mvp this year because he's on his way to winning to having a triple double for a whole season um if you talk to people around the league you know it was pretty surprisingly one-sided in favor of Harden with the award I, I talked to um i talked to 90 media people a combination of 90 media people scouts executives and coaches for kind of an unofficial straw poll for this story. And um, Harden, I think, got 61 votes, and Russ only got 18. Um, then LeBron got six, and Durant got five. Uh, but just about everybody who uh, submitted a vote had some combination, said some combination of either, I can't decide, can I say, a, can I give a tie? Uh, I can't pick between these three guys. So I definitely think that, you know, even though Harden's got a pretty big lead, in that, you know, just that one snapshot, um, you know, anybody could win it, but it, it is just, to me, it's just crazy that Westbrook is averaging a triple double. And there are so many other really good candidates this year that he's not just automatically being given the award. I mean, I, I think if, I think if you told anybody before the season that, that Westbrook uh, was going to average a triple double for 82 games, I think they would have probably pretty immediately jumped to, well, that guy's got to win the MVP, right? If I give you a ballot this morning, would you vote Harden? I would vote Harden right now. Yeah, I yeah. think. I mean, they're I, the, the biggest thing that everybody cited was that the, the Rockets are twenty eight and nine, right? Um, and I think Oklahoma City is now, I want to say, twenty one and fifteen. Um, you know, so I, I mean, Harden Harden has been absolutely incredible in Mike D'Antoni's offense, and Houston has been far better than even I think the most optimistic people thought they were going to be. Um, so I, I think that's why 
Harden's candidacy has been so strong. Um, also, the fact that it seems like Houston is pretty clearly, you know, barring unless Harden gets hurt, it, it looks like Houston's probably going to finish in the top three in the West uh, ahead of the Clippers, which would be um, which would be a, a pretty huge boost to his candidacy. I, I think it's most likely that the Thunder settle in is probably the six or seven seed. I would say the seven seed behind Memphis in the West. And for as good for as great as Westbrook has been, that's kind of where they were supposed to be. And I, it's hard, you know, if, if things kind of stay in that trajectory and they both keep playing at the same level they are, I think it's going to be hard for Westbrook to overcome that sheer number of wins um, to get that award, especially because James is averaging, like, I want to say 28, 12 assists a game and, like, eight and a half rebounds a game. So you know, that, that's, the, that's the thing about this season, like, with the way that the pace of play is up and how, how fast everybody's playing and the number of three-point shots people are getting up, uh, the, the offensive numbers for everybody are just out of control. And, and I, I think that's, you know, the, the fact that James can have close to the same numbers as Westbrook and his team is much better, I think, are going to wind up giving him the edge if it, the, it stays the same as it is now. The team is much better is the big thing. I mean, if history holds, when I went back and looked at the last 30, 40 years, every MVP has come from a one or a two seed. I, I, there's only one. Yeah, the only, I think the only time it didn't was Moses Malone once no, in like 1980 or no, 81. Jordan, the only time. Jordan was a three seed, but he had like a, you know, 35, 7, and 6 year, you know, and two right. steals and was right. the like there, he had a, he was on a three seed team. And then the other one, there were the, the year Carl Malone did, they were third, but they all had the same record, right? There was three teams with the same record. Right. So they weren't really. Yeah, I don't think anybody three. other than Malone's finished outside the top three. Yeah. Crazy. Moses Malone, I mean. Yeah. Crazy. So, I mean, it's usually, you know, the standard is the best guy on the best team and they may not be the best team yep. when it's all said and done, but it, it's great. How about this? That, you know, and, I, and I've mentioned this before on these pods, where you would have theoretically Westbrook, Harden, Durant could very well, if you just on your straw poll, right on your straw poll, those. Oh are, no, they they could easily finish one, two, three. It could be absolutely insane, <laughs> and they were all on the same damn team. They're I all mean, on the like, same team. Absolutely, <laughs> it's absolutely unbelievable. I mean, I that's. That was something I was thinking about as I was starting to put this together. It, you know, I mean, you, you kind of, it's not like we forget the fact that those guys are awesome, yeah. but it, it does really kind of zero in on it when you're like, wow, you know, these guys, it wasn't very long ago when all three of these guys were on the same team in the NBA finals. And now all three of them could finish one, two, three in uh, MVP bouting, which I honestly don't know if that's ever been done before. Um, Three guys on three different teams that used to play together finishing one, two, three. I, I can't imagine it has. No um, way. And it, it, it it's just well, I I'm right. I, I can't imagine it. And it, it is really just wild to think about what could have been with that team because you know it's it's really I think becoming one of the great what ifs of all time in in sports even, but specifically in the NBA because you just look at that you look at that group and you just go man like. It, it, it just you just wonder what it could have looked like if if they had stuck together in OKC. And wait till Reggie Jackson wins the MVP next year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tell me what's going on with Zaza Pachulia and this uh, fan voting uh, for Zaza Pachulia. People well, are just, tremendous. People are stuffing the ballot box for Zaza. People, people in Eastern Europe in the Republic of Georgia are very excited about Zaza Pachulia's uh, <laughs> All-Star Game candidacy. I mean, look, 
People people wondered why the NBA changed the voting rules for the All-Star game this year, uh, earlier this summer. You know, when they did it, kind of all of a sudden announced, well, we're changing the All-Star voting. And uh, people were like, well, why did they take it away from the fans? Like, it should be a fan. Like, it's for the fans. It's a fun game. Who cares? Well, the NBA cared because the NBA didn't want to have happen to it. What happened to the NHL last year when John Scott, a, you know, a longtime journeyman defenseman, uh, borderline NHL player uh, was voted into starting the All-Star game. Um, and so at last year, Silo Pachulia was, you know, he wound up finishing 14,000 votes behind Kawhi Leonard for the third and final All-Star game starting spot. And the NBA could see, you know, the NBA is using all this Twitter, you know, Twitter voting stuff. And they could, they could see what was coming, that there were these, you know, places that could kind of rig the vote and, and pump a bunch of votes in for a certain player. And um, they wanted to try to prevent that. So they, they instituted some rules that, that basically have eliminated the fan vote from really deciding what's going to happen um, without getting too complicated. It's a weighted system where the fans have half the vote and media and players have half the vote. And so basically, if Zaza Pachulia wins the front court Western Conference fan vote, He's not going to get any votes from the media. He's, he's not going to get any votes from the players. So his, he's going to fall so far down those categories that he's not going to get into the game. So um, it would be hilarious if Zaza made the All-Star game. One of the best guys in the league. It would be a fun story, but there's no way that it's going to happen. Why do you like him so much? Have you ever, have you ever been around him? No, I've never been around Zaza Pachulia. He, he's an awesome, he's just an awesome guy. Uh, perfect, perfect. Like anybody that's ever been on his team loves him. I mean, everybody's seen the, uh, the nothing easy video from 2008, uh, after game six in the first round, he gets interviewed. I don't even know why he got interviewed after the game. I, I, I can't even, I mean, that, that team had Joe Johnson and Al Horford and all these guys on Josh Smith. So I, I don't know why he got interviewed, but, uh, he got interviewed after the game and starts screaming, nothing easy. We're going to game seven, which was just one of the, the all-time hilarious uh, basketball memes. He's just a just a really decent, decent, funny guy. So um, I, it would be it would be cool if he made the All-Star game. I think it'd be I think it'd be a, a fun story for the league. But you know, I also can understand why you know the, these All-Star games are important, and they 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 don't really want um, you know random you know random guys getting in. And like say this year, if you know, let's say CJ McCollum. We were just talking about him, right? I mean, let's say CJ McCollum was on the border of making it in this year, and Zaza Pachulia starting the game meant that he wouldn't get a spot. Like, I can understand why the league would try to make sure that that results like that wouldn't wouldn't happen. But you know, it is uh, it is too bad because it would have been it would have been fun if it worked out that way. Who are you going to vote for? All right, yeah, listen. The so we got Harden and Westbrook, right? Uh, but Curry was leading. Well, to be clear, vo- I'm not allowed to vote. Oh, you're not because of my newspaper's policies. But I, no, we don't. We don't vote for awards. What are you That's talking? Is, is that true? That's why would I? Why would I make it up? <laughs> you are a yeah, look at your journalistic integrity. You don't vote for stuff, huh? I, I used to vote for awards. I'll happily give you who I would vote for. I'm yeah, please make do. it clear. I'm not. Please I don't do. have a vote. Please That's do. All. Free Tim Bontemps. Come on. <laughs> let the man hey, and let the, the fact man. that all this stuff leads to guys getting paid more money now i don't really mind having an excuse you know that's actually uh, that's actually to have to especially, especially after that whole new cba thing that's real you know what i mean 
that like it can that is real. Oh 100%. yeah, it's going to affect how much money a guy makes. Just some mustard well, stained. Well, happened last year with Anthony Davis too. I know, I know. Some mustard stained schmo <laughs> that we're buddies with could cost somebody forty million dollars or something. It, it's crazy. I mean, Anthony Davis made twenty has made like twenty five or thirty less million dollars over the life of this current contract he's on because he didn't get voted onto an All NBA team. Yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's it's real, it's real stuff. Right. And the other reason was he didn't get voted. I mean, frankly, now that I just thought of it, Anthony Davis also didn't get that Rose Rule contract because he didn't get voted in to start the All Star game, which is another reason why they have instituted this stuff as out of Pachulia. But anyway. All the whole right. thing is silly. Who, right. who are your uh, who right. are your starters in each conference? And I'll give you mine. Okay. Well, no, no, no. The West, we go Harden, Westbrook, hundred percent, right? And then I think, right. it would, and I think it'll be Durant, Kawhi, and Anthony Davis. Uh, yes, I think that I think that's probably good. I'm trying to think of uh, I'm trying to think of who um who else could even be in the mix. I mean, is there? I mean, I guess if I guess if you were trying to pick on merit, you could maybe say Draymond Green has been has been better than than Davis, maybe. But no, nah, I mean, I I think that I think that's your I think that's your five. Hey, there was a conversation that was going on the other night when I was at the Grizzlies uh, Clippers game, and uh, some media. Oh, what guy, about your guy Marcus Saul? Yeah, no, some media. You know what? The a couple media guys were asking me. I was actually talking to our mutual I, buddy. I would, I, I would say Marcus. I would say Marcus all over Anthony Davis. No, I was talking to our, our mutual buddy, Zach Lowe, the other night. And you know what we were talking about was he was asking me, he was like, what do you think about Gasol or Cousins? What's going to happen there? Because Cousins is not, he's having this. Just in terms of being at. You know, all-star. He's having a great year, right? Cousins having a great year, but Gasol's kind of yeah. really held everything together for the Grizzlies. And he's had this amazing year. And I don't know if it's going to be a choose between the two, but it's interesting. I think they'll both make it. And Davis? Oh, I think so. Yeah. And Draymond? I mean, some. Yeah, maybe. Uh, well, I mean, are, I mean, just are we talking making the team, or are we talking starting? Yeah, no, I'm talking making it. I'm talking about making the team. Yeah, I, I'll be stunned. I'll be stunned if they don't all make the team. Stunned. So no on Towns. I think I think they're all locked. Towns would be the one left out. No, he's not. No, he's not going to make it. I mean, look, Carl Towns is a fantastic talent, but that team is. Has been a disaster. I mean, they're they're not getting an all star. You know, hey, you know what's um, you know what's hilarious? If you ask Gasol, he will tell you, "I've already made plans. I do not want to be at the All Star game." Right. Well, uh, yeah. No, that's the funny thing about the All Star game is that at least half the guys there every year would much rather be like on a beach or <laughs> in bed or or anywhere but but there. But hey, well, I would actually pick Mark to start. Well, you know, they always do this. I would take him over David. You know, they always do this. I hope he starts the All-Star game also. I really do. I am. uh, Now, Davis is having a crazy statistical year once again. Oh, no, he's been great. Right. He's been, Davis has been fantastic. But but to your point, March has been incredible, and he's kept that team afloat. Oh, yeah. I mean, we were, uh, the last time I think I was on this podcast was right either when or right after Mike got hurt, Mike Conley. Yep. And, I thought they were. I thought the Grizzlies were screwed. Of course, Conley, in typical Grizzly fashion, comes back four weeks ahead of time after breaking his back. Yeah. Um, but even before he came back, the Grizzlies had won like five out of six because Mark was incredible. He missed nine. Ga- he he missed I mean, he missed nine games, and they were seven and two, which is completely insane. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous. And and Gasol has been fantastic. I mean, now he's shooting threes. Yeah. Um, he, he looks great. Um, so yeah, I think. 
I mean, I, I think that, that he should – if you're just going strictly on merit, I think he should start. I think Davis is going to wind up being the, the, the starter – yeah, no, and, I, and I'm just, I'm, listen, and, I'm just talking about reality because right now, if we throw the Zaza thing out, then Durant, Kawhi, and Anthony Davis are the three leading vote getters. Right. And, and, and just in terms of fan voting, you're talking about three times as many votes for Davis with somebody like Gasol, right? Yeah, he's not going to get voted in over Davis, but I, right. I do think he'll make the team. If we're, if we're talking about who's going to win the fan vote, yeah. Curry's going to wind up starting. But, but Harden, Harden and Westbrook, should. Curry's been great, but those guys have obviously been other world. All right, the East may be a little more murky because in terms of if we just looked at fan voting recently, Kyrie Irving had the most votes in the in, in the backcourt, but then he is followed closely by Dwayne Wade. And so, because uh, Wade's a, a monster name, for sure. He's playing in Chicago. Um, yep. You think Wade's going to start the All-Star? I mean, who who is... I'll say Ky- Kyrie will. I'll, so who's going to start be, alongside I'll, him? I'll be curious to see how how this is like Dwayne Wade is a good example of um, where this this new formula is going to be interesting. Right, right. Right. Because like like last year, Kobe Bryant would have started the All Star game anyway. Because like I think some media people would have said ah, it'd be fun to have Kobe start, and I think the players would have like all voted for Kobe. Right, and. I kind of wonder with guys like Dwayne Wade and Carmelo, like, are they going to get like the lifetime? Like, are they going to get the long-term respect from guys like, well, Carmelo's an all-star and Dwayne is an all-star. So we're going to vote for these guys to start the all-star game. Like I'm very curious to see how the players vote on guys like that. Um, Will they vote like the media and say Dwayne Wade has been fine, but uh, he's got a bum knee. He can't play back to backs basically now. Um, or will they say this is Dwayne Wade? He's an all star. Like I, I don't, I don't really know. I'll be, I'll be curious to see. Um, I, I'm trying to think of where Jimmy Butler. I don't know if Jimmy Butler's classified as no, a star. He's listed. He's, he's listed as a front Lowry, court. He's listed front court. How about front court how about, how about Isaiah All Thomas, right. who you uh, the aforementioned you know uh, Isaiah Thomas, who's averaging like 27 points a game. <laughs> Well, there, there's an, I mean, the, the battle for the guard spots is pretty fascinating. Um, I tweeted this the other day. Uh, there are five point guards who are having all-star seasons. Kyle Lowry, Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving, John Wall, and Kemba Walker. I don't think all five can make the team. And it's pretty hard to pick one of them and say that guy shouldn't make the team. Um, so it'll be fascinating to see. I, I think that Kyle Lowry is definitely deserving of being a starter. I think you can... You can probably make good arguments for Irving, Thomas, or John Wall to start that other spot. You could also DeRozan in there if you want. I would say probably Kyrie, uh, Kyrie or Kyrie or Thomas. Uh, both have been incredible. Um, you know, Kyrie obviously had a huge game on Christmas Day. Isaiah has been on fire for the last few weeks for Boston. So yeah, all right. Well, I mean, the front court, the front, Thomas, the, the the front court in terms of just the fan voting as of yesterday. LeBron, obviously, far and away, number one. Number two is Giannis, the Greek freak. And I was shocked and only shocked not because he's not totally deserving. Obviously, I cannot wait for him to be an all-star. This damn name, like, doesn't, like, in terms of the tracking, and, <laughs> like, I thought he was really up against it in this fan voting and tracking it with the hashtags and everything simply because, like, who the hell can spell his name? 
and you have to like spell it correctly. Yeah, I'm, I think they, I'm sure they, uh, I mean, if, if there's like an extra T or an N in there, I'm pretty sure they still count it. <laughs> I think, listen, I could just like that. I could just go to my computer and put an A and then just let my fingers go wild and he probably gets it counted. <laughs> because I, have, I would have literally no chance of spelling his name. None. <laughs> None. <laughs> Zero chance. It might as well just be letters to me. Um, think he could start it? He probably won't start it, right? All-Star game. Oh, I think he's going to. I, think he's, I would pick him to start it. I, think I would, he's too. Start. Oh, yeah. that, well, that'll be awesome. And then, all right, so we go LeBron and Greek Freak. Who gets the who gets the other front court spot? Is it Love? Do you think Embiid's going to make this? That would be great. Embiid. I think Embiid's going to get voted in. Oh, that would be awesome. I think Embiid's going to oh, get voted Oh, Carmelo. No, Carmelo, you're right. You do the whole... You know, status. Thing. No, I think I think Embiid. No, I think I think him. I, well, yeah. I mean, it's, I think Embiid is going to win the fan vote. Yeah. Uh, I don't. You know, Carmelo. Carmelo is going to be in the mix there. Love will be in the mix there. Jimmy Butler will be in the mix there. I could see Jimmy Butler getting a ton of media and fan votes. Uh, or media and player votes. Same for Paul George. Um, but I mean, Embiid might get Embiid might get player votes too. Like Embiid has been unbelievable and. He is a really charismatic guy. Uh, you know, he did this Donald Trump uh, endorsement video for his candidacy, which is great. Uh, him and your boy Chandler Parsons are going back and forth on Instagram all the time. Uh, you know, it's uh, he, he's a, he's fantastic. So it, it's, it wouldn't shock me if he if he started the game, and it would be pretty. It'd be pretty fun if, if we get to the All-Star game next month and, and it'd be Chris Asporzingis and Giannis are all there. I mean, that would be that would be a pretty a pretty fun changing of the guard in a lot of ways in uh in the league to see see some young guys like that, you know, get some shine at the All Star game. None of which are American. None of which are American, that's right. You know what I mean? The future the future is bright for uh the overseas players, that is for sure. I mean, you're talking about we could look up and yes. you know, in five years and the best players in the league are not none of which are from the States. I mean, because these guys Yeah, I mean you you look at those three guys and, and Carl Towns, yeah. even though he's from New Jersey, you know, plays for the DR. I mean, all four of those guys, uh, you know, those could those you could make an easy argument that, that at some point those are four of the five best players in the league. And like you said, none of them are American. You know, it's it's pretty fascinating. Trump's not going to like that. I'll tell you that. The NBA. <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch our NBA, Trump. Don't do it. <laughs> just just leave Greek freak alone. Leave Greek freak alone. That's right. Leave, leave the Greek freak alone. Man. We're gonna we're gonna leave look up and they're, they're we're gonna look up and they're gonna try to make it like the damn NHL in you know ten years. It's gonna be USA versus I don't the make world. This too political of a podcast. I don't want to make this too political a podcast. Can you possibly imagine Donald Trump trying to say Giannis's name? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like if, if somehow we ever met him, like, like can you imagine trying to say his full name? It would be fantastic. <laughs> it would be absolutely fantastic. Tim Bontes with the Washington Post. You are the man. Enjoy your weekend. We'll catch up soon. Hey, man, happy to come on anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks, buddy. That's another edition of the Ringer NBA podcast, and we'll catch up with you next week. If you like what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes. Everybody have a great weekend.